Thank you. A little housekeeping before we begin here. Uh, number one is, Mike, I need, if you don't have a bulletin, please raise your hands because I need you to get one of these and a little pencil to write with. So raise your hands if you don't have a bulletin with this insert that says your personal rule of life. So pull that out, all right? It says your personal rule of life on the bulletin, if you could do that. And if you, you need a pencil or pen to write with because at the end, I'm going to ask you to you know, respond and write a few things down. In fact, uh, as the message is going along, feel free to take some notes in the back, but uh, keep that front uh, blank until I get to it towards the end of the message. All right, so again, keep your hands uplifted as you're doing that, and you need a pencil and this handout. And just one uh, a mention, you'll notice also in your bulletin a uh, handout that says Emotionally Healthy Leadership Conference, and uh, April 20th, 21st, it's actually 19, 2021. 20, and every year we do this for pastors around the world. 350 come in, and we serve them for three days. So if you're able to give a day or two days uh, on any of these different areas, please uh, fill us out and put it in the offering plate or go downstairs and talk to someone at the information booth. We'd really appreciate it, all right? Fantastic, thank you. All right, super. So with that, uh, our theme is prayer as going home from John 15, and I'm gonna ask that we pray. It's just so funny, I was telling Rich, I, you know, this, was, this to me in some ways is like <clears throat> one of my favorite texts in all of Scripture. I would consider the, uh, the heart text for us as a church, EHS, what we're about. Uh, and yet, uh, so, it's so bottomless like any text of Scripture that I got so lost that uh, I hope I can make sense when it's all over. So I want to pray and ask God to meet us in these wonderful words of Jesus uh, in John 15. So let's pray together. And so, Lord, we agree uh, with you that human beings do not live by bread alone, by physical bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of your mouth. And uh, so, Lord, uh, this, these words from you are better than gold and all the riches on earth better than the best food on earth, O oh Lord, better than the most beautiful music. So may these words, Lord, uh, sink deep in our hearts, uh, in us as a church, as a fellowship, that we may offer a gift to the world out of our life with you. We pray this in Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. All right. Prayer is going home. And again, if you have your Bibles, go to John 15. I'll read from there in just a moment. Now, the world is changing very fast. In fact, the, the rate of change in the world uh, is staggering, and many uh, sociologists and scientists have been looking at this now for decades, and as one Raymond Dirk Kurzweil says, because of the expo explosive power of exponential growth, the 21st century will be equivalent to the last 20,000 years of progress. In other words, what we're going to experience this 100 years in which we're in, 2000 to 2100, in terms of change. He says it's going to be equivalent to the last 20,000 years of change. Uh, this is developed by a fellow named uh, Robert Swenson, a physician, a researcher. And he, he writes about how recorded history began 5,000 years ago with the Sumerians, about 3,000 AD, and how for most of history, life was very sad and slow and simple. It wasn't very complicated. Uh, and But... At the time of the Industrial Revolution, about 1700s, uh, there was this explosion of new technologies like the light bulb and steam engine and telegraph and telephone and modern medicine was born. 
And those 208 years, 1700 to 1900, were explosive years of change. But he said next to the, the amount of change that we are in right now, these 30 years he's referring to, is so massive that it makes all of the rest of history, including the Industrial Revolution, look like a flat line. I mean, that's how fast things are changing around us. And so could you imagine, listen, some of you may think I'm old. When I was in college, we used to type term papers. Could you imagine? So there was an era on page 13 of a 15-page paper, and you had to move something around. You had to retype the whole paper. Could you imagine such a thing? Like, we used to write letters by hand and mail them. And wait, there wasn't even a fax machine, you know? Uh, used to turn on television, there was like six channels, you know? And that was it. Uh, when you wanted to look something up, you went to the library. Could you imagine looking for a piece of information like about octopus or something, or, you know, or fish? You had to go to a library for an illustration for a sermon? Rather than now, I just put in Google, I get 10,000 searches, you know, responses immediately. As parents... We used to buy encyclopedias for our kids. We used to spend a fortune. People went door to door selling encyclopedias, and we bought them. We used to go to phone booths to make a phone call. Could you imagine? No Wi-Fi, YouTube, no Twitter or Facebook, no Google, no, really no you know, PCs and you know, Macs floating around and cell phones. Uh, at Harvard Business Review recently said that if you develop a new product in business or a new service that's revolutionary, that's a real breakthrough, they said if you don't adapt within two years, that product or service will be obsolete. So that's why we so often feel like, oh my gosh, like it's like FOMO. You know, it's like, oh my gosh, like I'm, life is like passing me by and I, I'm depressed. I, I just want to hang up my spikes and I, I just can't keep up and and, uh, and so at New Life, our desire is that you're not the penguin over there, you know, and flipping out. And, but you actually, our, our desire is to slow you down for God and for yourself and for other people. But really, it's not just to slow you down, because you can be slowed down and still be superficial. Our goal is to center you, that you develop a life that has depth to it, that, that you're grounded, you're, you're not swept up by the values of the culture. You're not running after celebrity status and a new image or, or, or wealth or, or the values that surround us and bombard us every day, but you, you've got a life that's, that's filled with wisdom, regardless of your age. You may be 17 years old or 20 years old, but, but you carry a gravitas with you because you're grounded and you're not just moved and swept by everything going on around you. But that requires that you've got a life that has a structure to it. It's got a rhythm to it. It's got a, it's got a center to it. And so at New Life, we're, we're very much about equipping you, equipping you so that you have an anchor and you're developing into a person with, I like to call it, some depth. And so um, we talk about a rule of life, and Rich launched a series for us last week that's going to be a five-week series on developing a personal rule of life. That's within the center of the sheet here, developing a personal rule of life. Because while we have one as a church, we recognize that every one of you, if you are going to grow and develop and mature, you've got to consistently reflect on what is your structure of how you're living your life. You have to develop a life rather than let life happen to you. 
And so we organized ourselves at New Life around what we called a rule of life, around these four categories, prayer, rest, relationships, and work. The love of God is at the center. I'm receiving the love of God, and I give the love of God. And a rule of life is not about do's and don'ts. It's a structure. It's a rhythm that for my life so that I can pay attention to God in everything that I do. That's the goal. So I've got to develop, what's my structure? What's my rhythm? You all have a structure. You've all got a rhythm. The question is, is it work? And is it sufficient for what you're encountering right now in your life for what's coming at you? That's why we've got to constantly be looking at it and adjusting it and changing it based on our season of life, based on our temperament, based on what God has for us and what's going on around us. And so last week, Rich talked about rest and talked about Sabbath. Today, uh, there's a trellis. Today, I want to talk to you about prayer as going home. Now, prayer, as you'll notice, is one of the boxes. It's the top left box. Last week, Rich focused on rest on the right box. Today, I want to go about prayer rest. Next week, we'll talk about relationships, then work, and then we'll have a week we're going to bring it all together. But our goal these five weeks is that you're going to, this is a work, in, a work document in progress. So every week you'll get this, you'll fill out a piece, and by the end, you'll really fill it out well, hopefully, each of us personally. And, and I hope that we can help you as a community uh, because we want to equip you to actually, you know, grow and mature in Jesus. So again, our theme is prayer as going home from John 15. Now, now this comes out of uh, three chapters, or actually 14, 15, 16, 17, four chapters in John, where this is Jesus' like graduate-level course of discipleship. He's about to go to the cross. He's got his 12 disciples, and he's basically saying, listen, guys, this is it. Okay, he's giving them, like, here's my final words. And so these chapters are critically important. They're really like a grad-level course because now he's about to send them out. And he says, I want you to get this. Now, right smack in the middle is this section in John 15, which uh, to me is like the core uh, of the whole graduate level course. So let's read it together. Um, and what's interesting, too, he, he's also he's speaking to Christians. He's speaking to believers. He's speaking to people who've received Jesus, and Jesus dwells inside of you. He's made his home inside of you. And so here's what he says, all right? Thus says the Lord. Verse 1, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Verse 4 is the key verse. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. In verse 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. So he, he closes with, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should bear fruit, fruit that will last. So, so you, you're in this room and, and you've got a relationship with Jesus. Somehow God got a hold of your life. And you're here and you say, oh my gosh, I, I never thought I'd be a Christian. Here I am, a Christian. You know, you, you've been chosen by God. You know, God somehow sovereignly worked out circumstances. He reached out 
And just like he chose Peter and Andrew and, and Matthew, he chose you, Susan and, and Joe and, and Harry and Isaac. He chose you, and he appointed you for something. He, he's got something substantial for you to do in life. I've chosen you that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. He's about to send the 11 out, 12 disciples out. He is sending us out in the world. That's why you're alive. And you're saying, why am I here? You know, you're 18. Say, why am I here? What am I doing? He says, you're here because I've got something for you to do. I've appointed something for you to do. Your life is significant. That whole series we did on the, on the gifts of the Spirit, you're incredible. You've been given gifts. You've been given talents. You've been given abilities. There's 800,000 types of plants. There's 800,000 types of fruits and gifts. Yours will will show themselves and what they are. He says, don't worry about what, they're, what they are. But if you're going to do this, bear fruit that was going to last, if you're going to have bear fruit that's going to last, there's one thing you have to understand. You have to get what does it mean to make your home in me? What does it mean to remain? What does it mean to go home? Now, there's this word that's used 67 times in the Gospel of John. That's a lot in a short book. And it's the word remain. It's this word abide. It's the word stick with. Translators have wrestled with how do, I, how, do I, how do I translate this word? It's so rich. And it's the word remain. He says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Now, we don't have vines, all right? So we're, we're going to move it to more of a New York uh, image, which is we have trees, which have roots and trunks, and then we have branches. So, so here's an here's a apple tree and the trunk. We can't see it. But uh, I'm sorry, here's the trunk. I'm sorry, there's roots. And so then there's branches that come out of that. Now, what Jesus is saying is, I'm the vine. He's saying, I'm, I'm the trunk. I'm, I'm, the, I'm the trunk. I'm the roots. You are the branches. He goes, unless you remain attached to me. Now, I want you to know, see these branches that are attached? And he goes, you, you will bear no fruit. In other words, the, the, the core of the Christian life is this attachment to Jesus. It, it's this remaining. It's, it's translated. It's, it's translated, abide in Jesus. 67 times he's saying the same thing in the Gospel of John. In fact, if you read 1 John, which the Apostle John also wrote, in this short book of five chapters, he mentions it 27 times. For him, it is the core of the core that somehow we remain. We make our home in Jesus. So here's, here's the word remain. This is, this is, I think, is one scholar translated. This is the word I want to use for translation of what does it look like to remain? What does it look like to stay attached? What does it look like to stick with Jesus? I want to use the phrase as one scholar uses. It means to make your home in Jesus. To make your home in me. That's the invitation. Make your home in me. In fact, that's actually literally what it means in John 1 and John 4 with the Samaritans. A very, very interesting text. And so, um, make your home in me, says Jesus. We're going to translate remain as I make my home in you. So he's first. He came after you. You didn't make yourself a Christian. You responded, but he came after you first. You weren't looking for God. God came looking for you. He died for you, then he came seeking you, and somehow by God's grace you responded, and then he made his home inside of you. He came to live inside of you by the Holy Spirit. That's a miracle. But he goes, now make your home in me as I make my home in you. So he went first. He's inside of you. He made his home in you. Just as a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it makes its home with the root and trunk, no more can you bear fruit unless you make your home with me. In other words, there's no way you'll ever know what your life was meant to be. You'll, there's no way you'll ever have a substantial life or, 
or make an impact or be fruitful or reach your, quote, your destiny or be who you really are unless you make your home in Jesus. That's how important it is. I mean, you realize if you miss this, it all, it all falls. But he says, if you get this, everything flows. Don't worry about it. It'll all become clear to you. Just make your home in me. It's tremendous. And, uh, and so he takes the initiative. So the essence of prayer, in a sense, you know, we can call, well, it's, it's thanksgiving, it's intercession, it's worship. No, the essence of prayer is making our home in Jesus. It's going home. It's living home. It's remaining home, this image. Uh, that's the essence. So, so I like to call it, you know, prayer is a conscious turning to Jesus. Prayer is, is going home. Prayer is allowing ourselves to be held. Listen, if you're like me, I can easily not think about Jesus for hours and hours and hours. Some of us, days and days and days. Oh, oh, oh yeah, Jesus. You know, we're just going around our merry why, and, and all of a sudden, you know, oh, oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah, Jesus. Can you help me with this? You know, and, 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 we, and we turn to him. But we are called to this life of attachment in which we're always turning to him. We're, 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 turning, we're, we're going home. It's a ni- nice image because home is such a domesticated time. So just imagine, you know, in fact, he says in John 15, verse 9, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. What a great verse. And think of how much God the Father loves Jesus. He goes, that's how much I love you. Then he goes, remain in my love. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Remain in my love. Just let yourself Go home and live in my love. So you know what? Here you are, your parent, your kid is like, oh my gosh, my, what, what, what's going to happen? You're all anxious about your child. Go home. You turn to Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Hey, listen, I want to present. Here's my kid here. Lord, fix him. <laughs> Do something. You know, you find yourself in traffic or on a subway. You're going to be late for your, you know, subway's broken down. You're like, you're like oh, you're all stressed. Huh? Go home. You know, turn to Jesus. Okay. Oh, Jesus, Jesus. You're here somewhere, you know. You're with your family for the holidays. You're triggered. You want to explode. You want to run out of the house. Ah, go home. You know, you turn to Jesus. You know, your, your, your work is difficult. Your boss is giving you more work than you can possibly do. People are behaving in a way that's just so inappropriate. Uh, you're like, oh, God. Like, okay, what you do is you, you, you go home. Remember, you're not on your own. You go home to Jesus. You turn to him. You're worried about your future. Where am I going to go? You're single. Who do I date? I'd like to get married. Do I go with this one, that one? Go home. You turn to Jesus. And so I'm anxious. I've got too much to do in too little time. My body's knotted. I can't set priorities. Oh, what do you want? First thing you do is you go home and you turn to Jesus. So, so again, this turning to Jesus. Right now, we're all in this room together. Do you realize? Turn to Jesus. Just let's all be at home with Jesus right now. He's in this room. He's here. And you want to be aware of his presence. We want to be at home together you know, with him. It's a fantastic image. It's so personal. It's so, it's so soft. In fact, he says, he says, he says, if you make your home in me and my words make their home in you, he goes, you can ask whatever you wish. Well, how about the Powerball ticket? 900 million. I'm like, actually, this promise is given four times in that last speech of Jesus. Whatever you wish in my name will be done for you. And what he's saying, if you ask for anything that's for my mission, I will do it. And he actually, like, he's like pushing us. Dream! Dream! Get a vision of what would you love to see God do? He goes, whatever you ask in my name for my sake and mission, I'll do it. I'd say all I could think about was the success groups. You know, it's very bold, you know. We're going to, you know, lift people out of poverty. Actually, 
get themselves economically on their feet for the rest of their lives and generations that will follow. That's quite, a, that's quite an endeavor we've been gotten involved in. I thank God for Red and our community development corporation. To, but I said, that's like a dream, like whatever. And God says, I'll do it. So he's actually encouraging us to live in this home with, with him and actually dream dreams. What would you love to see God do? Wow. Whatever. Love that. Whatever. I've meditated on the word. Whatever. Like, whatever? Whatever. Now, not, Powerball is excluded. I'm sorry, okay? <laughs> Even if you're going to tithe on the Powerball, all right? 90 million, not bad, Rich, for an offering. I must, so. But I know lots of you have, if you allow yourself, God's put dreams and visions inside of you. And we're to be so free in this home, not living in shame, because he died and rose again for us. That we actually let ourselves go, and the wind of the Holy Spirit's blowing. And the wind of the Holy Spirit's blowing all the time. He's leading us to new places and new things. He's giving us acts too, dreams and visions and words. And and he's got stuff for every one of us in this room. So he wants us to live in that home in his free place. He says, whatever. Okay, Lord, wow. Do you understand what's going to come? And we're to ask him, he says. And he goes, I will do it. Read those texts over and over again. You can't even believe it. He said, Jesus, are you, are you serious? Are you crazy? These people, he goes, I'll do it. But he wants us to, to get comfortable living at home. It's home. We go home all the time, and then we live at home. So, so you, know, you know, and he says, if you don't, he goes, if you don't live home, he says, your life's going to be awful. You're like a branch thrown out, and you know, it's a, he goes, it's a mess. Verse 7, you'll wither out there. You know, if you know Jesus, he's inside of you, but then you kind of ignore him. You kind of, you run, basically, you run away from home, or you wander from his love. You wander from home. Most of us, we wander, not intentionally. We just kind of get caught up in life and we wander. And he goes, he goes I'm going to tell you something. You're going to wither up. Basically, your life is going to stink. You'll be miserable because you were made to live in my home. I came, I chose you to live in my home. I chose you to abide and remain and make your home in me, out of which fruit would come for the rest of your life. So why don't we? I know we're busy. I mean, in fact, they did a, they did a study, a big study across uh, the United States recently about why so few people in churches around America actually follow Jesus. I'm talking about I'm being discipled by Jesus and are actively, like we're talking about, you know, developing a personal rule of life. He goes, why so few American Christians actually engage Jesus versus just attending church? And he says, and the number one reason that people gave was we're too busy. We're just too busy. And we get distracted. I think that's true. I think, it's, I think there's more to it than that. I think we're also very anxious. Uh, you know, there was a, one of my, uh, I was given this magazine recently, and actually this won Best Magazine of the Year Award in 2014. It's called Fast Company. How many of you know that magazine? All right, good. I read it and got depressed, all right? So I, you, I read the whole thing. So I was trying to figure out what was wrong with me, you know? I was like, it's obviously very young and very hip. And so on the cover, you'll see is, uh, you know, Mark Zuckerberg. And, and it says, you know, he's 31 years old. He's built Facebook into a $290 billion business, and he's just getting started. And basically, you read the article, and the implication is, well, what are you doing? What are you doing with your life, you loser? You know? Or you could read about Malala. We all know her. Won the Nobel Prize. Article is, her new plan to empower a generation. What are you doing? You know? Another article, Elon Musk. Article headline is, his new plan to save the planet. I'm like, oh, my God. I'm just trying to prepare the sermon for Sunday, all right? I'm just trying to, gee whiz, right? 
Then there's an article. How soon before your job is done by a robot? This handy chart will show you. I'm like, oh my gosh, you know? So what happens is, you know, you know we, we feel unproductive, you know, like, like and what you're doing is not enough. So the idea of going home to Jesus for a life of being in prayer is like, oh my God, you gotta be kidding me. Accomplishing nothing, you know, and the world is passing me by. And so this idea, well, I know what we're asking you to do is like getting off crack cocaine, right? The idea of being at home with Jesus as your life, as the center of your life, is really like coming off drugs. Because everything in the culture is you better do and produce and make something happen or you're a loser. And here's Jesus saying, make your home in me as I make my home in you and you will bear much fruit. Your life will be substantial. It'll be powerful. It'll be impactful. It'll be significant. I tell you, I think many of us have been in car crashes. It's like life is just things that happen. And I just, oh my gosh, Pete, I just, I know it's important. I know. Get a rule of life, you know, get it. Go, yeah, my gosh. I'm just trying to get, get up before another car hits me. You know, in 1999, September, there was a, a car accident in Canada that was the largest car accident in Canadian history. Uh, uh, and one couple was in it named Stan and his wife. They were in their 40s. They were going on business. And in a split second, a fog fell and visibility was reduced to zero. Imagine in a split second, they couldn't see anything. So he pulls the car off the side of the road. A truck just barely, a big 18-wheeler barely misses him. And uh, so they sit there, and all of a sudden, cars start banging into them. All right? Trucks, 18-wheelers, I mean, you name it. They're, they were car number 13 of 87. So get, get, now he's on the side of the road. All those cars, he, they're sitting there, he and his wife, and car one after the other are banging into them, or reverberations. And every time they get jolted, they're saying to themselves, this is it. You know, they're going to die. And this goes on, obviously, for a number of minutes. Then it's complete silence. Now, I understand, there's people screaming. You know, they, they watch you know, one person die. I mean, it's, just, it's horrific. Okay? They somehow, a, a truck driver gets a, you know, a, a saw and busts through the windshield, pulls them out. They go to the hospital. They are physically a couple of scratches. They miraculously survive. Physically. But emotionally, they have trauma. And he is, he's like a, you know, a, a person coming out of a war. He's triggered by everything. You know, a, 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 you know, a beep of a horn, you know, a car screeching. I mean, he's, he's in post-traumatic stress syndrome. He is just now locked down, okay? He's no longer able to connect with anybody. His wife, on the other hand, has gone into a biological freeze. They ask her, how was it? She goes, I don't feel anything. You know, she can't feel anymore. She's, she's just, she is, her whole brain, body has become emotionally frozen, okay, from the trauma. Some of you know exactly what that's like, don't you, in life? Trauma hits, we just get frozen. Um, and they basically, you know, they get some help and they, you know, they have to learn their way back. So, so I know there, there's, there's a number of reasons why it's very challenging for us to actually learn to go home and to live at home with Jesus just as he lives at home with us, and thus bear fruit. Now, I love, I love the text. You know, make your home in me as I make my home in you. I want you to memorize that verse. Make your home in me as I make my home in you. See, he's doing it first. 
by pure grace. He died and rose again. He's inside of you. That's a miracle. Now he goes, prayer is essentially going home, making your home in Jesus. Now, Jerry and I work hard at creating a home for our four daughters. We have four daughters between the ages of 20 and up, whom we love. But we work hard and talk and think a lot about how do we create a home where they want to return to? Because now they're, you know, they're all launched out, university and et cetera. And, but we want to create space where we listen to their stories, we connect with them, we have unhurried time, uh, there's relaxation, there's fun. If they want to talk, at, you know, they want to hang out at 12, 1 o'clock in the morning, we'll stay up. You know, and, and how do we create this home that they want to come back to? Uh, it's very important to us. Now, if we want to create a loving home for our girls, which of course, I think like most parents do, how much more does our Father in Heaven create a loving home for us to come back to? That when we taste it, we actually want it. Because you you've got to taste it. I can guilt you into going home to be with Him, but it's better you taste Him and then you want to go back. You're pulled back. Because, you know, they did a lot of work on, on attachment theory. You know, a healthy home, they say, has safety. In other words, a, a, a great home, you don't just have a roof over your heads physically, but you're emotionally safe. It's a place where you're valued for who you are, not for who people want you to be. That you loved for you, right where you are right now, not for what you're going to be in five years. You're allowed to have all your emotions. You can be different. You can make mistakes. You can fail. You can be weak. You can, and you won't be rejected. You'll have eyes and a face and a tone of voice and gestures and body postures and timing and intensity response. You will feel safe when you're in that place. God says, I've created that space for you as your father. So it's not just safe. Secondly, there's security. You know, I'm physically, not just physically secure, I'm emotionally secure that, that I can count on this person being there even when I go out in the world and I make a mess of things. I'll receive appropriate touch and, and affection. I'm not afraid of being abandoned. And I can trust that this person, our God, is utterly for my good, and I can trust him. And lastly, I get soothed here. I, 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 I can take the hard blows of life, and I get beat up, but I come back when I'm upset, and I'm feeling insecure, and I'm feeling down, and I get soothed. Lovely. So going to saying, when we go home to the Father, in this, we're calling it prayer, it's so much richer than, you know, we put this, all of us have these misconceptions of prayer. It, it, it's Receive, it's letting ourselves be reflected from God. In other words, he's giving us these things. He's healing us. He's changing us. We're finding out who we are. We become our true selves. We become alive. We get healed from all those other messages out there, and God transforms us. And there's other people as well, but, but, but we, it's a place of change. And so um, God's, messages was, God's message to you and to me is home. Home is safe. It's secure. It's soothing. And my message to you is, I love you, I will never leave you, and do not be afraid. We go home and we, and we hear and receive a touch and the message, I love you, I will never leave you, do not be afraid. No, I need to hear that every day, all day. Because I'm in car wrecks just like the rest of you. Calm down, Pete, it's okay, I love you. Oh, thank you. Do not be afraid. Oh, gosh. I will never leave you. Oh, my. And if you're old enough, you've been betrayed at least once. Our God says, I will never leave you. Those words get better as you get older. They're unbelievable. Make your home in me as I make my home in you. Now, for some of us, make your home in me as I make my home in you. Verse 4. So, slowing down. 
I want, I want to get right now, pull out this sheet of paper here, okay? Your personal rule of life. Because we love you as a church. We want to help you live in, at home with Jesus. And it's one thing to preach it, it's another thing to do it. So we are transformed by, of course, you see these boxes have prayer, rest, relationships, and work. They're all important. Next week, Rich will pick up on relationships. But today I just want to talk to you about how do I live in that prayer box? What do I put in that prayer box on how do I build a structure or a rhythm? What things can I put in my life that I'm consistently and regularly going home, to live at home? I'm consciously turning to Jesus to be at home with him, to let him hold me. Because really, it's not so much you forcing yourself to be held by him. No, you go home, he holds you. And we let ourselves be held. Oh, yes. You know, and everything's going to be okay. So how do I structure a life? And so this is a, a rule of life. Now, we, we talk about it a lot at New Life, and what we're going to do is we're going to ask you uh, to actually begin to do a rough draft of filling this out. So I'm going to give you what I would consider some of the basics, core of my own life to keep me in prayer. They're also what I would say the core of, if, you're, if this is your church, at some point we want you to grow and get all of these in your prayer life. Now you, you'll, you can add other things as well. So as I go through these one by one, I invite you to maybe you might want to write them in the box. Now, you're going to, you know, leave yourself some space because you're going to either, you know, add some or whatever. But um, these, what I would say is, for us as a church, if you're going to anchor yourself in the kind of world we're living in, these had better probably at some point become part of your life, your rhythms. Now, again, no one size fits all. The center, you'll notice, it says the love of God, give and receive. In other words, my life is about receiving and giving the love of God, whether I'm relationships, whether it's work, whether it's prayer. This is, he, he is my life. So this actually comes out of the rule of St. Benedict, the, probably the, the most significant document of monasticism in the Western world. And he wisely had a balanced, rhythmic structure that he used for monks that became standard in Western civilization. And we basically took that as a church as a nice structure. You could use different boxes. For us at New Life, over the years, we have found this to be a very helpful way to look at the different areas of our lives. Now, you'll notice the work box is only one box. Some of us, the work box is three boxes, all right? But Benedict's genius was this idea of rhythm and balance. So again, you can put different things in different categories. It really doesn't matter. So you, you can choose, well, this can go under relationships, it can go under, under relationships, it can go under rest. It, it really, it's whatever fits you, it's fine. It's just a nice elastic tool that we have found very, very helpful over the use, years of new life. So here's number one. So for me, you know, for me, new life fellowship coming together like we do here on a Sunday for worship um, is part of my prayer. Uh, and so is a small group. Like last week, for example, I didn't feel good. Uh, you know, I had a something, right? And, but I had a meeting that I needed to go to after third service. But um, I, I purposely came to second service uh, because I, from part of my rule of life, part of my rhythm is every week, unless I'm dying, I gather with God's people and I worship. It's part of my prayer life. I'm, I'm in communion. I'm receiving the love of the Father. And it's... And, and, it's just whether I feel like it or not, I come because that's part of my rhythm. And then I'm part of a small group always. Now, again, 
we just say at New Life, you've got to find a group, some team of people that you connect with on a weekly basis. Because we're not, we're, not we're not into being a crowd at New Life. We're into being a, a church, a community, a, a, a family. So it might be the worship team or the choir. It might be the Community Development Corporation. You're connected there. It may be children's church. You're serving there. It may be a particular ministry. It may be the classes on Monday nights. It may be you're an intercessor or prophetic. Maybe you're, you're, um, uh, you serve in administration. There's so many ways, but you're somehow you're connected with people in this church somehow, somewhere. You've got some community, some small group that you're, you're connected to. Um, but that's a part of my life, and it has been for all my years as a Christian. It's just a staple. It's part of the way I pray, actually, and let myself get held by Jesus. I need you. But I joked to Jerry at the first service. I, Nelson, you hear second service? Nelson's here. Nelson's in the choir. I said, I would come to church just to watch Nelson in the choir, all right? I said, I love Nelson. It lifts me, you know? It's just like, he's us. Like, this is our family, you know? Nelson in the choir. Love him. All right, number two, silence and stillness daily. Um, again, this for me was one of my turning points. Uh, you know that you're growing as a follower of Jesus when, you're not, when your prayer life is not just talking all the time. When you're in a one-way relationship, have you ever had a relationship with someone and all they do is talk? And like, they don't listen? Like, it, it's really a difficult relationship, okay? What's ironic is some of us have been, have been, have been, Jesus, has been living, Jesus has been living in our home for a long time and we won't shut up, you know? We're just always talking. All right, so, so, a, so a healthy Christian life is there's, there's, yes, you talk whatever's, but you're, you're also being quiet. You're listening. And so my turning point in a significant way was only really in 2003 when I, we brought to New Life this whole contemplative part. If you're part of our community, one of the unique aspects of our church here is silence and stillness that every one of us builds into our life somehow a little bit of silence and stillness every day. You say, no, my mind's racing. I know, I know. It's like exercising. You know, you're going you're gonna to walk around the track, all right? Don't worry about running yet. But it's, it, you're going to develop those muscles to actually be a listener, to be still before the Lord and wait on him. It, it, it's part of a prayer life that you're not just always talking. We are calling you to grow up. And so for me, every day, you know, I do, uh, you know, I, 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 actually do, I actually do 20 minutes every morning. Like I set my... I set my clock. The timer goes off, you know, beep, 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 you know, 20 minutes. But I, I sit there, I kind of sit, wait on the Lord. I just, I just, I'm still before him. I'm, I'm open. I'm listening. I, you know, for what he wants to say in the sermon, I did it this morning. What's, what's he doing? Um, we recommend at New Life that every one of us somehow gets to a place between two and five minutes. And they've done studies, you know, brain imaging, that people who do five minutes a day of silence, even though they're not Christians, their brains are rewired. They're less triggered during the day. They're more thoughtful. Their neocortex clicks in better. There's all these, you know, secular reasons to do it. But that's not why we do it. We do it to connect, to go home, to be with Jesus. We're still at home with Jesus, remaining in his love, letting his love envelop me. That, to me, is one of my foundations of remaining is, is just being still before him. And I'm still learning and growing in it, but we want to invite you to get on that journey. Maybe you just start with one minute. If you're part of the EHS course or EH skills course, that's a core to that course. Every week, we're trying to get you two minutes to be with God every day in the morning, or two minutes a day to be silent. That's next. Then there's Scripture. I meditate on Scripture. Now, like, if you want to learn a language, you all know you can go to Spanish class, if you're not Spanish, you know, and never learn a word. 
because you've got to somehow immerse yourself in a language to learn a language. You've got, you've got to get into a house where they're speaking it. Then you begin to learn it. We know we've got to somehow get you immersed in Scripture, the language of God. So, so that means every day for me, I am in Scripture. I'm a little bit in Scripture. I'm, I'm in the Scripture. I've been in the Gospel of John now for quite a long time, you know, and I may just be a couple of verses, it may be a longer text, but I'm in it systematically. So if you don't, you say, I don't even know, where do I start? Just start with the Gospel of John and say, I'm going to read 10 minutes a day and just begin to read through. Say, God, speak to me. Read it slowly. Anything hits you, write it down. I journal it. God, when God speaks to me a couple times a week, I, I write it down. But I'm, but I'm immersing myself. I'm in Scripture. It's part of the way I pray. I'm, I'm, I'm abiding in him. I'm making my home in him. I'm listening to his words wash over me. For all of us in this room at New Life Fellowship, without Scripture, it's to remain, I don't know what you're remaining in, but it's very core. Thirdly, I do daily offices. We talk a lot about daily offices here. You know the EHS Day-by-Day Day book, which is part of our Emotional Healthy Spirituality course, but that is I, every day, I stop three to four times a day. Always three, sometimes four, but morning, I'll have time with God. Midday, I, I, I try to stop somewhere between 11 and 2. Um, and then I try at night. I often miss that before dinner. But always before I go to bed, I have a time with God. But I, the reason I have these pauses, and we talk about things called daily office here, is we stop and we pause for little bits during a day so that while I'm active and doing stuff, I'm making my home in Jesus. I'm remembering his presence. So I can be speaking to you right now, but I'm aware of his presence in this room. That's the goal of life. Like Brother Lawrence, I'm practicing the presence of God in all of life. And the whole reason I stop is so that I'm going to remember him when I'm active. So we encourage you, if you're not spending a time with God, even for like 10, 15 minutes in the morning, well, start that. But if you're doing that, you may want to add a second time maybe before you go to bed or maybe midday. You want to experiment with that. We've talked a lot about that at New Life. But for me, that's a, that's a big part of my life. Because otherwise, I spend time with God in the morning, the car crashes start coming by 10 o'clock. By 2 o'clock, I don't even know my name, all right? So, because so much of life is happening so fast. But that pause really helps me. Fourthly, I do the examine daily, which is basically, we've talked about that. Examine is a, I'm listening to the movements of the Holy Spirit inside of my heart through my feelings. What gave me joy? What gave me life? What brought me death? What made me sad? And I'm listening to, why was it this conversation as we talked about this new initiative? I, I just, I, it gave me death. When I talked about the success groups, I was all excited. I felt life. And God, how are you speaking to me through that? So I'm listening. Every night before I go to bed, I am listening in the examine of how did God maybe speak to me today that I may have missed? And I try to listen to that and note that, and I watch trends. And then I wrote down Sabbath. For me, I'm sorry, Sabbath is part of my prayer life. Rich mentioned it yesterday under rest, and it's under my rest box as well. But Sabbath to me is prayer. I am basically getting out of work, and my Friday night's at 6 to Saturday night at 6 o'clock, that's when mine is. Most of you, it's going to be Saturday night at 6 to Sunday night at 6. It's a way of going home to be with Jesus. It's not that I'm praying the whole time, but it's a way I'm structuring my life, that my life is receiving the love of God. It's going home to be with Jesus. It's being held by him. It's consciously turning to him. He is my life. And so I build in a few of these things. Now, as you look at that list, I want you to take yours out right now. You got a little pencil. Here's what I want us to do. I'm going to ask that we just uh, take a deep breath, first of all. You know, just, you know, maybe close your eyes for just a moment. And just be aware of your breath. Okay. The Lord brought you here today. 
and he's holding you in his love in this room. Now, I want you to take a minute or so, and as you look at that list, what might be one or two things that you want to put in your box right now? Like, I know it's wonderful you come here and worship, and the word, it's good, it's carrying you, right? It's, it's wonderful to be here and be carried in, into the home to be with Jesus. But we want to encourage you to be doing that all through the week. So what might be one or two things God is inviting you to go deeper in so that you can live at home with Jesus in a life of prayer, a life of remaining in his love? So just take a minute or so and Ask God, what might he have you write down that he's inviting you to this week? Don't put down nine things, just one or two invitations from him. And the worship team, why don't you come forward as they do that? As you fill this out, just remember, Jesus said in verse 2, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You see those scissors, those pruning shears? In other words, he, he, he cuts us back sometimes. He, he says, I love you, and, uh, but understand there'll be moments things will feel like they're going backwards, almost like it's counterproductive. Uh, so called dark nights of the soul, don't fret. You stay with it. Because God is preparing you to actually bear more fruit long-term. It's part of the process. And actually, part of what we do at New Life, the whole EHS course, which begins in February, the whole goal of that is to ground you in this rule of life. So you'll hear more about that in the weeks to come. So you're going to hold on to this sheet, all right? Next week, we're going to pick up on it, on relationships. You'll get another one. Bring it bring with you. That would be great. Let's all stand together. and Let's sing. Let's worship him and offer our hearts to him together. I want to invite the prayer teams to come forward if you could to uh, your right, my left. That'd be fantastic. And as we close, we've got the Lord's table to your right. And uh, it's one way to, uh, in fact, it's one of the ways used actually in John 6 to make your home in me, eat my flesh and drink my blood through the Lord's table. It's one of the ways we do that. As we, we close here, I'm going to say a blessing before I do. Uh, I want to invite forward those of you, you're in this room, and maybe you've never even gotten home. And you've had this longing and hunger for this place that you've, you've not even known what it was, but it's God. And today is your day to come home to Jesus who died and rose for you and come to him for the first time and receive him and make your home in him. Let him make your home in you. You come. But I want to speak also to those of you in this room who have wandered from home. You've just, for whatever reason, you've just gotten disconnected from the trunk. 
and you know you're not where you need to be and maybe you feel shame maybe you've got sin that you're carrying I don't know what it is but to come forward is actually a moment of just the coming forward is actually a turning around of repentance it's actually got power in and of itself and we pray for each other it's one of the ways that God's power gets released so I want to invite you to come for healing for power for life for forgiveness for the Holy Spirit to drench you whatever it is you need today you come forward our folks here will pray for you as long as they need to alright so with that I invite you to open your hands up towards heaven and close your eyes I always want to speak a blessing as we leave this place as the Lord looks at you and he loves you and he says I love you I will never leave you he says do not be afraid so may the Lord bless you and may the Lord keep you and may the Lord make his face shine upon you may he give you a revelation of the safety found in his house a revelation of the security of the soothing of the life that's found in him that his love is actually better than life itself and may out of you come fruit the fruit of Jesus and may your life be substantial may it have weight may it be a gift to all those you touch this week as you make your home a bit more in Jesus so I bless you in his name and everybody said thank you everybody